The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Um, this is a reading of God's Word, Isaiah 53, 1-3. Who hath believed what he hath heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form of majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. This is a reading of God's word. go. Good morning, church. <clears throat> this morning, we are um, bringing our Bring Back the Church series to an end and bridging into our Advent series. Uh, to be honest with you, when we planned this, um, we thought today was the start of Advent, but I, it's typically the Sunday after Thanksgiving, but on the liturgical calendar, it's, it's actually not till December 3rd. So we are going to make this a bridge uh, between our um, bringing church back and our Advent series, because our Advent series is um, about the weakness of Christ. Um, and, and really honing in on the reality of God's word and the economy of the gospel that God's power is made perfect in weakness and only in weakness. Um, and so we've got to get weak. So this morning um, I've brought in Daniel Harris. Many of you know Daniel, a member of this church. Uh, he will soon be a deacon um, in this church. Daniel has lived downtown for probably 15 years, um, longer than I have, longer than most in this room, uh, if you live downtown, have. And he has been a chaplain of downtown. That There's very few places that this guy can't walk into, very few bars, restaurants, definitely cigar bars, uh Coffee shops, you name it, uh, that, you know, just walking down the road. If you want to meet people in downtown, just go somewhere with Daniel. He knows everybody. Um, he really does. But what you may not know is Daniel has a strong call to the ministry on his life, and um, he feels called to preach. And he um, has done that several times and wanted to bring him in to this sermon this morning. Um And uh, before I jump into it, you know, one thing you may not know, even though you see Daniel, is um, he has CP, uh, cerebral palsy, which uh, impacts muscular movement, motion, motor movement, and um, 
So that is, uh, he, you know, his condition that he was born with. Um, and uh, he tells a story. You're not going to tell a story about going to your first night in Memphis, going to the concert. Uh, okay, good. Well, I may tell just a little bit of it. Um, yeah, the first night he went to, uh, that he moved in downtown about 15 years ago. Was that the Bill Street Music? Yeah, yeah he went there and... Uh, at the end of it, I mean, there are about, I don't know how many thousands of people, and uh, he was cold, and he didn't kind of calculate how he was going to get back home, and um, and it was really a tragic thing. I mean, people started making fun of Daniel uh, around him, thinking that he was drunk, uh, thinking that he had, you know, maybe been smoking marijuana or something, and, uh, um, you know, so he's misunderstood a lot in uh, his life. And I really think that's how Jesus was, and that's why we're getting into Isaiah 53 and why I think Daniel can bring some um, significant insight to bear. Um, but I'm going to start it off and then hand it over to Daniel, and then I'll have a few closing thoughts. But, um, you know, what I love about this is just... Um, you know, when I started this journey nine years ago, almost ten years ago now, and really diving into the theology of diversity, um, you know, what I've seen and what I continue to see is the beauty of God's diverse body and how I can't know God alone, that I need you to tell me about God because you're going to see his truth in a different from a different perspective and with Daniel that is so true as well uh, just as we met this week to talk through this sermon and, and just the truth of these verses uh, the stuff he was pulling out I mean I could live 150 years and never get what um, he was getting out of these verses and uh, so learning and growing is a community thing, and that's why you can't just say me and Jesus in my Bible in my closet. Um, you need the church. You need this body. So enough said there. Let's, let's look at it, or let me pray for us, and then we'll dive into these three verses. Father, thank you um, for your body. Thank you for the diversity in our body in so many ways, uh, racial, economic, Father, even physical, um, God, we all experience you and this world in different ways, and yet it's all the same truth. It's the truth of your word. And so this morning, I just pray that you would pour your spirit out upon us, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, may we um, just draw into Jesus in a mighty way. And um, Father, may you teach us. Uh, we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I don't know if many of you have used the car wash at Union and Belvedere, but uh, that's the car wash I go to. It's kind of a self-serve deal. You, you, you pull in, you put your credit card in, pay your money, pull around to the tunnel where you, you know, the car goes in, and they pull you up here, roll down your window, they give you that blue cloth, and... Um, and try to sell you a bunch of products and, you know, then kind of motion you toward to put that, that front left tire in that groove so it can catch and pull you in. 
And so as you're pulling in, when it finally gets up there and it catches, they point to the sign that says, um, you know, take your hands off the wheel, put your car in, put your car in neutral, take your hands off the wheel and your foot off the brake. And that is totally counterintuitive for me, you know, to, to be like this when a car is moving. And the first time I did it, I just kind of jerked when it, it jerked and I hit my brake and the guy kind of looked at me like, really? You know, and pointed to the sign again. And I'm like, okay, okay, I'm sorry, I'm a control freak. I mean, that thing only works, the, the whole car wash thing only works when you give control over. And, and that is really what the gospel is all about. Um, in Romans 1.17, Paul says, the righteous shall live by faith. And that is the summary of what God is doing in your life and mine. If you want to know what God is up to, God is up to pulling your hands off your life and getting you to trust him. Um, That's the whole sum of what he's doing. He's doing that so that he can give you himself. Um. And yet to do that, he's got to take our hands off our lives. And not just once, but over and over and over again. He's got to take our control so that he can give us more of himself. Um, because what we do is we are constantly grabbing for something. Um, we're constantly grabbing for life outside of Jesus or in addition to Jesus. And he is constantly pulling our hands off. Um, I love what um, Isaiah says here about Jesus. Because what Jesus did is he came to live a life of faith. He came to, to do it for us, but also to illustrate what a life of faith is all about. And this is how he did it. He grew up before him like a young plant. Like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that would make us even want to look at him. And no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised. That word despised means judged as unworthy. He was despised. He was, his, he was devalued by those around him. No one looked at him and said, man, you've got value. He was despised and thus rejected. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Not sadness. The word grief means intense sadness. Sadness to a point of of groaning. He was acquainted with grief. He was acquainted with loss. Everything he looked at as the Son of God, he looked at through redeemed eyes. And therefore, he could see loss in everything because he knew what everything should be like. And yet, everything is fallen and broken. And we esteemed him not. So Jesus came unattractive. He came weak. He didn't seek anything that would give him social capital, that would make him popular. 
He gave up money. He gave up wealth. He gave up marriage. He gave up um, sex and honor and pleasure. He gave up everything. He was homeless. He was poor. He gave up everything that would present you as having worth in any culture that's ever been um, in this world. He gave it all up. But why did he do it? He did it to call us into the same. To say, you don't have to have what you're pursuing. You don't have to have good looks. You don't have to have good health. You don't have to have money. You don't have to have a home. You don't have to have anything other than God. Because he is the only one that's really going to satisfy the deep desires that we have in this life. C.S. Lewis put it like this. He said, let me, and this is in the problem of pain. He said, let me employ the reader to try to believe, if only for a moment, that God may really be right when he thinks that our modest prosperity and the happiness of their children are not enough to make them blessed. I mean, you hear what he's saying? That, you know, basically that all the things we want, a new car, a new house, even a family, perfect children, are not enough to make us blessed. That all of this must fall from them in the end, and if they have not learned to know him, they will be wretched, will be miserable. And therefore, he troubles them. Wow. God troubles them, warning them in advance of an insufficiency that one day they will have to discover. The life to themselves and their families stands between them and the recognition of their need. He makes that life less sweet to them. If God were proud, he would hardly have us on such terms, but he is not proud. He stoops to conquer us. He will have us even though we have shown that we prefer everything else to him and come to him because there's nothing better now to be had. Wow. Unbelievable. Here's the reality. The incarnation shows us that life is found in God and God alone. And when... God is blessing us. He is taking the things that we trust most that he might give us himself. The worst thing that God can do is to make us satisfied with what we desire because we don't desire him. We desire something to replace him. I find this in my own life. I want him to get my life to a point where I don't need him anymore. I mean, that's where most of my prayers are. God, eliminate my need for you. Eliminate a need to walk by faith and not by sight. Eliminate my need of you. And God says, I love you too much to do that. And so Jesus, in coming in the flesh, teaches us a few things. The first is this. The incarnated Jesus invites us into his weakness. That's what the whole prosperity gospel, which I could go on forever, um, is absolutely from the pit of hell because Jesus is not inviting you into the wealth of this world. He is inviting you into the wealth of himself. 
He is the treasure. Why? Because he is an ogre? No, because that is where you're going to find true sufficiency, true passion, true love, true everything. In him and him alone is where we're going to find it. And so he came weak, he gave up everything to invite us to God that we might trust him. Think about this. I'm sure that everybody in here has seen the Me Too movement. You know, Me Too on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, Well, it all started when, I think it was uh, Harvey Weinstein, when he came out, or when he was exposed as uh, sexually harassing women um, for many, many years. Um, Alyssa Milano tweeted, she's an actress, if you don't know that, I had to look it up. Um, I kind of went back like, who started this? Well, apparently Alyssa Milano. She, she tweeted this, if you've been sexually harassed or assaulted, write, quote, me too, end quote, as a reply to this tweet. Now, tens of thousands of women responded. So Alyssa Milano, nobody, you know, she's an actress, but she comes out and says, I was sexually, I've been sexually harassed, sexually abused, whatever. And all of a sudden, she invites in her weakness, in her vulnerability, she invites the world to join her in that weakness and tens of thousands of women, many women in here. I saw your, I saw many of your posts. And, and what was interesting about that to me was the responses. Um, you know, many said, you know, I'm so proud of you for, for responding to the post. You know, I love you. My respect for you has gone, you know, the fact that you would have boldness. And isn't that interesting? Why is it boldness and courage to be vulnerable? Primarily because in our fallen self, we all hide. That's living. That's life. That's society. That's culture. That's every day. We hide. And we not only hide, but we numb we, we put ourselves, uh, we give ourselves to things hoping that they will take the pain away from us. We, we give ourselves to work. We give ourselves to food. We give ourselves to debt, money. We spend way too much more than we have. We give ourselves to a host of things hoping that then we can be satisfied. We can be happy. We can be full. And all of our desires can be uh, met. And yet, Jesus comes utterly vulnerable with none of that. Um, Brene Brown, who I've used a lot, she's done a, work, a lot of work on shame and... Um, uh, well, a lot of work on shame. And her TED Talks, which made her famous, I mean, they went viral too. Um, you know, she, she talks about shame as being the thing that um, keeps us from relationship and keeps us from deep community. She says everybody is made for connection, which she's just echoing the truth of the Bible. We were made for relationship. And the thing that we fear most is to be disconnected. And what shame does is it convinces you that if somebody knew the real you, if somebody knew what really happened to you, 
If somebody knew that you were not as smart as you projected yourself to be, not as talented, that didn't have as much money, or whatever it is, you know, that if the if people really knew the real you, then you would then everyone would reject you, and that's what shame is. Shame is the fear, the paralysis of really being known. That's why. The gospel resonates with us. That's why when Adriana and uh, the team was up here singing, I am clean, it was resonating with us. When, when you know, that any of us, our, God can take our filthy rags, it doesn't matter how dirty, He can take the dirtiest of the dirty and make them worthy. Something deep in our soul resonates with that. Why? Because shame is at the very root of our sin and our fall and our brokenness. And so do you see what Jesus is doing coming in the vulnerable state of a babe? He was conceived in the womb of a young teenager. God. Do you see how when Alyssa Milano gets vulnerable before the world... Everybody is attracted to her and tens of thousands are drawn to her and come out and respond. That's exactly what the incarnation is. We think God is high and lofty, that he's judging us, that he's, that he's going to, you know, if he really knew who we were, then he would reject us. And Jesus says, no, I know exactly who you are because I became one of you. I, I came near to you. I, I was conceived in the womb of a teen Girl, I was born in poverty. I was put in a feed trough. I mean, I, I get you. I feel your pain. I know the shame of poverty. All of this. I know the stigma. I know all of this. I'm with you. But the reason he does that is that he might let us know today that he is accessible. He's not far off. He's accessible. But he is only accessible to the weak. He's only accessible to you when you're willing to say, me too. And when we do that, and this is the bridge to, the, to our whole church uh, series, when we're willing to do that, it creates not just intimacy with God, but intimacy with one another, which is the very thing that we want to do. Brene Brown, uh, again, just echoing the truth of Scripture, um, says a whole person is somebody who is vulnerable and therefore has significant relationships. The powerful, um, you know, as I watch our president, and I'm not bashing, you know, I'm not, this is not a political thing. As I watch our president and how he uses power, it repels people. It's boastful. It's proud. It repels people. And what that tells me is he has no close relationships because he's not vulnerable. He's not weak. He's not willing to come down. But are you? See, that's what Christianity invites us into. Do people really know you and what's going on in your life? If you came up, would you tell your story this morning? Would you tell the deep, darkest, you know, secrets of, do you have the power and the freedom and the vulnerability to do that? When you do, it creates the kind of community in the church that we desperately long for. And that's what I wanted um, Daniel 
to talk about, namely uh, the weakness that Jesus invites um, and how that creates a certain community. I think you're on. Yeah, that's right. I'm talking about the weakness of the invite into community. And so be, being downtown along I aisle just to clarify, I have been sitting downtown for seven years. And I've been working downtown for 15. But what God has shown me in that is the having a disability should foster automatic community. Because of my weakness and because of what I need, help doing it automatically pulling people around me to form community. I get to know more people because of my weakness. Mm. I, I would tell them now I got where I take Uber everywhere. I I probably know every Uber in there. <laughs> and, and they all know me. And, and so I, I get to have a conversation with the people who I know outside of Uber, outside of me needing a ride somewhere. And, and that happened around downtown too. I need help with my food. I need someone to cut up my food. I need somebody to put a fall in my coke with coffee to me the echo or a tea or two you got to know people you begin to build a relationship and that I want is being fully human me in the Dependent with that earth. And only then can you and I feel it through independent. The, the way we, the way we get our independent is we know more people. We connect to more people. That, uh, in the bed, we talk about it all the time about, uh, about the people you know that 
Like, like that was the whole point in the year 12 we met to change the whole world. But did we do that in Australia? Did we go at um, the beat of who count of to the world we look at? Or did we look at ugly generation just like they do in the world? Well, even talk good, look good, be a big nerve bomb. Do we look at that or do we look at what God said? Um, and then we move on to Corinthians 12, 20 from 25. And again, you all know it. Well, Paul get the image of the body, and he said, the weak are among you, the weak are a part of the body among you, and, and, and we all know that, but, but I like what a lady known as Kathy Black with she wrote a book called The Healing Homeless and she put it like the, the members of the body that seem to be weaker or indigenable. God has so arranged the body and the community of believers, the, the members may have the same care for one another. It is the interdependency in the midst of a culture that highly value independence that is set apart as the idea of independence of the value of all individuals by what they do not by what they do but by who they are but not in equal come completely to a community of by being not doing mm. so another way of being healing is the idea of being in a community there is always healing because in the community there ain't no human eye. We all the same. We are all equal. And if someone with a disability 
not delete it long. They had a ability or they broken. The fact that the ability did not exist within that community. So it, it don't matter because the, the, the physical disability don't matter because they don't want to see it. And that's how we bring healing in a community. It's the way we do we want to among us. And I will end with a story about this, about how our God has shown me this. So, uh, my friend Kelly here, she is a, a member of downtown. You all know Kelly. Oh, eh. You don't be sure. Um, but about four years ago, I think, we were at the old train day. Yeah. And, um, so, Kelly, I didn't know this, but Kelly was, I think she was in Sierra Leone. But she was not at church that Sunday, and I didn't know that. And me and Kelly were friends. She a good friend of mine. And so, what do you do when you're in a family and you're friends? Well, you, you run up behind somebody and you tackle them because that's what you do with family. So, so on this Sunday, I saw a lady who well, had blonde, blonde hair and a black leather jacket. And I'm like, that, that jelly. Then I went up and I just slipped into the lady. And she looked around and it's not jelly. In fact, she bought it never came back again. The, the point is, like, a week later, a day, uh, I tell, I tell Kelly, and Kelly, like, we have really frank conversation, and she, she looked at me and said, uh, couldn't you tell the the woman had two arms and not one? <laughs> I go, 
now because that's not the way I see you. Uh, I just see a, a woman who is a friend of mine, but I, I don't see more she can have a thought on a window and uh, so but is that way uh, what you written in community, you don't see that anymore. And in fact, and, and Gilly is a good friend of mine, and she knows what I'm talking about. But when it comes to me or, or her, so it, it, it was different. Like if, if I could walk in a bright line, uh, I kept get up here to all uh, something would be off. It would be it, it, it would not be the same because that how God that how God made us to that that the thing value in the way God made us to be. And not wanting more than that. Thank you, Daniel. Yeah. Good word. So really the message uh, of the incarnation is that we have a God who became weak so we can be the weak people that we are with him and with one another. And that, that doesn't sound real profound, and yet the most, well, let me state, restate it. That which we as a culture are suffering from the most is loneliness. Just Google it. <laughs> I mean, every study. We are lonely. Uh, we have a million friends on all our social media platforms, and yet we're not known by any of them. And... The simple reality of the gospel is you can come to Jesus with all of your shame, with whatever's happened to you, with all of your weakness, with all of your fallenness, and not just be accepted, but be delighted in by God. Because Jesus became weak for you, and he became strong for you, so that all you must do is come and fall at his feet. And when we do that, it creates a community of weakness. Um, what do you need to bring to Jesus this morning? What weakness do you Maybe it's your pride. Maybe it's your strength. Maybe it's all these plates you have in the air. And maybe you're really good at keeping them up there in the air. But they're going to fall at some point. What are you looking to outside of God to be your satisfaction because it is not enough? It will only leave you more hungry, more destitute, more needy. That is your real uh, disability. (laughs) Not acknowledging your weakness and coming to Jesus. And so, dear friends, throughout this Advent series, I hope that we can just be honest with with each other and with God. 
um, the kind of community that we could have at downtown church if we would just start telling each other our deepest fears and the things that keep us up at night, if we would start offloading that and carrying them as a body, the kind of community that we could have would be the kind of community that we were created for. Who do you need to call this week and just confess your weakness to? Who do you need to go to lunch with this week and just confess your weakness to? Who, whose help do you need? Are you the one that's always helping everybody else? Whose help do you need? Who do you need to invite into your life? Um, certainly it's Jesus. And you have a God who is willing to come near because he became weak for you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that that you're a friend and a brother. You're not just a king. You're not just the creator of the world. You're not just the sovereign Lord over heaven and earth. You're not just the one that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord. But you are our brother. You're our friend. And so we come to you this morning and we give our hearts to you. And we pray that you would take us in our brokenness. That you would take us in our shame. That you would take us in our sin. But you wouldn't leave us there. But you would love us forward. You would love us to something better. Oh God, you would love us to wholeness. God, give us this kind of life in you. And Father, make us this kind of community. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.